Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin County Medical Center, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin County Medical Center, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters show. Dr. David Hilden is your uh, host, and uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Denny. Did you have a good week? I've had a great week. Uh, I've, been, I've been at work most of the week. Had an interesting thing yesterday, uh, you know, as long as I'm thinking about what about my past week. I went to the funeral of the former head of general internal medicine at Hennepin, Dr. Craig Garrett. So just a shout out to Dr. Garrett's family. And um, Dr. Garrett was one of the guys who helped train me. Hmm. He was a West Point graduate, um, grew up in Colfax, Iowa. If anyone's listening down in Iowa, and I know there are many, um, the former head of general medicine was from a thriving metropolis of Colfax, Iowa, and he, uh, he died. Um, and so that was a big loss to the Hennepin community. I went to that funeral yesterday, but it was a celebration of a great life. So, so a West Point grad. A West Point grad from I bet Colfax. You, I bet you had to really snap to it, didn't you? Yeah, that was the funny thing about Dr. Garrett. He walked like very with perfect posture. He's sort of a droll guy, and, and initially you're kind of a little bit freaked out by him, but then after about 90 seconds you realize this guy is the greatest. He has oh. got the best, driest sense of humor Remember the cartoons, The Far Side? Sure. Yeah, he really loved those. So that Gary kinda, Larson. Yeah, so that was my kind of humor. I just loved the guy. And he was a brilliant doctor. He started all kinds of interesting medical care at HCMC back in the 90s when he joined us. So that was a huge loss to us. Well, to the so family. that was Dr. Garrett. So, but today, yes. we're going to talk about a, a topic that I don't know if we've done kind of specifically. We're going to talk about male urologic problems, mostly incontinence, erectile dysfunction, things like that. And we've had urologists on the show before. In fact, I think Dr. Schwartz and Dr. Fay were on um, not too many months ago to talk about prostate cancer. We're going to talk about different male urologic problems, primarily like in, incontinence. And I got a new, one of the newer doctors at Hennepin to help me out. So if I could introduce Dr. Travis Pagliara, he is a urologist has been at Hennepin, just started this year, and he has specialties um, that we're going to talk about today. Travis, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. You know, you, you come work at Hennepin, you have a, a specialty that uh, we haven't talked about, and we put you on the radio. <laughs> I bet you didn't expect that. <laughs> it is a real honor. I'm really happy to get the word out. And so tell me, you're a urologist, and um, where, before we get into your, your kind of your specialty, where are you from? Yeah, so I'm originally from Tennessee, a town south of Nashville called Franklin. Franklin's that a big town? Little uh, town? It's growing. It was originally all farm country when I was growing up. And yeah. Now the county is apparently one of the top 10 wealthiest counties in the country. No kidding. All the country music stars, the football stars, the hockey stars all started to move down there. Yeah. yeah. I've been through Nashville, you know, um, but I don't think I've been to Franklin. So, And you told me before we went on that you, you did residency here in Minnesota. Prior to that, you did medical school where? Yeah, back in Memphis, Tennessee, in, University of Tennessee. At you know, the Volunteers, huh? That's right. All right. And then prior, then you did undergrad at Wash U in yep. St. Louis. So if you're listening, these are good schools. I mean, this guy's been around. And then what was in Texas? Uh, so then I actually did a fellowship in Texas. And a fellowship, for those who don't know, is like a one-year super specialization. 
Yeah. It's where I decided, you know, I wanted to become an expert in one specific area of what is already a specific surgical branch. Right. So, so here's what this guy did, listeners. He did four years of med school at one of the country's better uh, undergraduate schools. Then he did four years of medical school. And how long was residency? Another five years on top of that. Five years of urologic surgery residency. And then that wasn't enough. So that wasn't enough for this guy. So he went to Texas to do this this fellowship. And what was the specialization that you did? Uh, so I did a, a fellowship in what's called the Genitourinary Reconstructive Society, which if you break it Good down, it, it, I know it's a long phrase. They, they abbreviate it GERS just because it's a lot easier to say, right? Um, but in the end, it, it focused on three areas, reconstruction, trauma, and prosthetics. So um, of the male, all male? All male. Of the Correct. male um, uh, reproductive system. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and after all that, Tennessee, Texas, Missouri, you landed in God's country. Now you're up here in Minneapolis. <laughs> Why'd you come here? Well, you know, you live here for five years. and you, From residency. From residency. And you get a little, you know, antifreeze in your blood. And when that happens, you really can't go live anywhere else because <laughs> you just sweat all the time. <laughs> that's exactly it. So we, we're glad you're back here. Dr. Paliara is an expert in male um, uh, urologic condition. So um, why? Why did you get into – let's talk about the first one, incontinence. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in general, I think in my practice, the reason I chose to specialize even beyond just general urology was I wanted to help people with quality of life issues as well. So incontinence is just one of the three things or so that I think we can talk about today. But, you know, it's funny. It's something that – seems so minimal. You know, incontinence can be just a little dribble. It can be a lot, but it can really affect a man's quality of life. Um, and to be able to big help time, people, yeah. big time. And they don't even think that there's any fix for it. And just knowing and having the knowledge that there is can really, I mean, bring a smile to somebody's face, and it makes me feel really good at the end of the day. Okay, so um, men, if you have a little incontinence issue or a lot, there are some treatments for it. So you're going to want to stay tuned for the rest of um, today's show. So incontinence is one of the quality of life kind of issues. What are the other ones? Uh, some of the other ones include erectile dysfunction. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of guys just think, oh, as I get older, it's just not supposed to work. Um, but really, there's plenty of different fixes. And everybody just thinks about the commercials that we see on the there's, TV. There's pills. The pills, right. But there's things beyond the pills. So I encourage everybody just to start. I mean, I, I think it would be really helpful for the listeners at home. to, If you have a computer nearby, take a look at these two websites while we're talking. One of them is called uh, CureED.org. Yeah. Okay. And the other one is called FixIncontinence.com. And if you take a look at these two, it might help you, you know, drum up some questions to ask us about a little bit later. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll bring those up a bit later in the yeah. show. And, and the other thing I will remind listeners is I often do a follow-up um, uh, blog post. I don't always, but I will in this case in the coming week about incontinence at myhealthymatters.org. If you haven't checked out the blog, you're going to want to do that. My, just put the word my in, in front of it, myhealthymatters.org. And I can put links to those websites. I can put pictures of Dr. Pagliara. I can um, put more information about these issues. So we talked about erectile dysfunction. We talked about incontinence. Mm-hmm. Is there, are there, what, what else? Uh, so there's another just general principle that older guys get is, you know, the old thing where you're getting older, you think you're supposed to, you know, it's just naturally supposed to slow down when you right. pee. Right. So maybe it's not incontinence, but maybe it's you're walking up to the urinal, it takes you more than a minute to go or... You know, you walk up next to another guy and he's always finishing You're before you. You're the least favorite guy at the stadium. <laughs> exactly. Bathrooms. You know exactly. what I mean? I mean, guys, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Women, you're, they're all rolling their eyes. All the women right now are rolling <laughs> their eyes. But, you know, guys sometimes have to go up to the stadium and 
not to get put too fine a point on him, but there's a trough. <laughs> right. And you're standing there next to the other guys, and some guys are standing there longer than others. Yeah. On average, it should only take you 20 to 30 seconds to urinate. And, and guys just kind of, you know, it's like the old analogy of a frog in boiling water. If you put a frog in water that's lukewarm and you slowly get it up to a boil, it never jumps out. Yep. Whereas if you just throw them right into boiling water, it jumps right out. So as we get older and it slowly progresses and you add five seconds here, five seconds there as the years go by, suddenly it's taking you a minute, minute and a half to go to the bathroom yeah. and you never really think you about it. You never really think about it. Those are great. So those are the topics we're going to be talking today. Um with with Travis, can I? You know, I, this isn't too off color. I can tell this. So most of the guys know the jokes when you're urinating. And says no matter how much, you know, no matter how much you dance and prance, the la- the last few drops will land in your pants. I have you know that, that one. one? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about those kinds of issues, and and if you can't have a little fun with it, um, you know what what's the yeah, point? Okay, absolutely. all right, so. Let's let's talk about incontinence. Yeah, absolutely. What causes that? In all seriousness, what causes that? Um, it's a great in point. Men. And, and and even to to simplify it, you can put it into two broad categories. The first is called urge incontinence, where if you think about it like plumbing, it's a problem of the pump. The bladder is too active; it wants to pump too often, and you just can't hold it back. The other option is called stress incontinence, and that's where your your clamp, your valve no longer works, and it can't hold anything back on its own. Ah. So those are the two categories, urge and stress. What do men get most often? So the most common one that we know about is stress incontinence, and it happens to men after prostate surgery. So um, it's not every man, but after, let's say, a prostatectomy, you know, for prostate cancer, there's about 10% of men that will have incontinence. And it could just be as simple as leaking one pad a day, having to wear in their underwear. Mm. Other men, it's up to five diapers a day or Mm. more. Um, so there's a really broad sense of how much incontinence it can, you can have. But I've seen it affect men completely differently. Some men are extremely bothered by one pad, and other men aren't that bothered wearing a couple diapers a day. And I think there must be, there must be many that don't like the idea at all of oh, having ab- some kind of a pad situation. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's the thing is uh, di- no matter how severe it is, there's different treatments for each level of severity. So after prostate surgery, um, that that's got to be due to disruption of the normal anatomy. You've gone, you know, guy exactly. like you've gone in there and cut out a cancer. Um, uh, but a lot of guys are incontinent who haven't had surgery too, right? Yeah. So when that happens, uh, it's more commonly a bladder issue, and it more commonly comes to an urge incontinence, mm. where the bladder is just too active. In which case, we can try to give medications to slow the bladder down, or potentially you can uh, try to treat it with a sling as well, depending on the level. But uh, there's some studies we have to do in the clinic just to really elucidate what the problem is because you want to make sure to know the problem before you try to apply a fix. All right, we're going to talk a lot more after the break about incontinence, erectile dysfunction, and other male urologic problems with Dr. Travis Pagliara. He is a urologist at HCMC. His practice is um, going to be one of the many moving into the state-of-the-art clinic and specialty center in our downtown campus. But you don't have to wait for the, for the clinic and specialty center to open, and I'll say more about that later because it's opening in March. He's, he's open for business now. So if you are uh, um, particularly a man with incontinence, erectile issues, anything like that. Dr. Travis Pagliara is seeing patients. He's at 612-873-6963. 612-873-MYMD is the number to get a hold of him. Very good. Well, let's take this break. Be right back after welcoming your phone calls and text messages, which we're receiving already. 651-989-9226. Text is 81. 81- 
800-227-8807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. If you'd like to join in on the show, 651-989-9226 is the number, or send a text like some folks are already doing, 81807. Here again is Dr. Hilden. So let's talk more about male incontinence. You said there was stressing. Um, we talked about stress incontinence. What's the other kind? Urge incontinence. And, you know, imagine that as the bladder is a very simple organ. All it knows how to do is store urine and then squeeze when it needs to empty. And so imagine if the pump has a malfunction in it. The nerves are misfiring. Something's going on where the pump is squeezing too often. And so you get the urge to go every 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, naturally we should be able to hold it for a few hours at least. Um, so in that case, there's a problem with the pump. Okay. All right. So you said there's something to be done about incontinence for men, and there are actual treatments. Yeah. So what are some of them? Uh, at its base level, if you have urge incontinence, we can try medical therapy to try to relax the bladder. There are medications that specifically try to focus on the bladder now. Uh, beyond that, let's say it's stress incontinence. So your your valve isn't working. Well, we try to put in a, essentially an extra valve. Mm. So that comes in a few ways. One, uh, you can try to put a manual clamp on or you can just wear pads. That's the least invasive of the maneuvers. And then there's actual surgical fixes. One might be where we put in what's called a sling. And a sling tries to push up and reinforce the urethra to try to give you just a little bit of extra support. Mm. It's only good for guys who have very mild leakage under a pad or two pads a day. Mm. And then beyond that, there's the artificial urinary sphincter which is essentially like putting in a new muscle, but it's artificial. So what it is is it's a ring of silicone that surrounds the urethra, stays inflated all the time, providing a cuff of pressure, and whenever you want to urinate, you feel down into a little pump that's hiding inside your scrotum, and you squeeze that button, and it opens, allowing all your urine to come out. I'm like in disbelief. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know this. So, okay, so this artificial sphincter... It, it, Anatomy-wise, it's at the base of the penis? Is that where it is? Where physically is this thing? So it, the beauty of it is it's, it's, it's almost uh, impalpable. You wouldn't be able to feel it. So it actually hides down in your perineum, that area so behind, behind your behind. scrotum. Okay, so exactly. guys don't know they have it in there. Right. You, you might, if you push down there, you'd be able to feel it, but really it shouldn't affect your, your penis in any other way. And so the, it's, its normal condition is to be closed, is that correct? Correct. So that you're not leaking urine. Yes. And you open it up when you need to. With, via a pump that is hiding in your scrotum. Wow. And it's smaller than your pinky finger, like even half of your pinky finger. So you reach down, you give that a pump, and it opens. And by doing so, allows the urine to escape. And it makes 90% of men 90% better. So it really is effective. This device has been around since 1972. Can you believe that? And I don't know, uh, you know, okay, so that's fascinating to me because it makes an awful lot of sense. (laughs) And it doesn't sound like it has, I'm just trying, I'm I'm just racing it through my head. It doesn't sound like a huge downside. So the biggest. There um, there must be some downside. uh, Of course, absolutely. Um, The biggest downside is that like anything you put into the human body, it has to try to survive for a long time and be activated multiple times a day. So it has a limited life expectancy. They last got a moving part. It yeah. has moving parts. It's three components and they last for 5 to 10 years usually, okay? So by 10 years, 50% of them have been operated on and had a revision. Mm. So, but these are guys who are otherwise sometimes crippled by their incontinence. I know guys who personally have told me, "I stopped fishing after I started to leak." Why? Cuz I didn't want to be out on the lake wearing a pair of jeans or khakis. 
and have urine just start to expel all the way yeah. over my jeans and be soaking wet. I mean, right. imagine that. Giving up fishing? Yeah, yeah. The, why, why go on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this has been helpful for you. And, okay, so here's the obvious question. Do you do this? I do. Absolutely. You do? Yeah, this is uh, what I just did my fellowship in. That's we're, what you went to Texas for. That is. This is one of the things I went to Texas for. We were one of the busiest programs in the entire country for putting in these artificial sphincters. Yeah. I would think that not all urologists do this. It, very much so, and I don't think they really should even. Um, yeah, you, so the listeners, you want this is a fascinating treatment that has been shown to be effective, but you want to go to somebody who does it. Yes. Uh, less than 1% of urologists will even do 10 of these a year, and mm-hmm. we do, uh, in my fellowship, we did 82 last year. Wow. So you really want to pick somebody who's doing at least 10 to 20 a year. And the reason why is because there are complications for them long term. When you have to go in there and replace it, there's a risk you could damage the urethra or mm-hmm. some of the surrounding tissues. Right. So you really need to know the anatomy super well and be comfortable with the device. So we're talking to Dr. Travis Pagliara, urologist at HCMC here in downtown Minneapolis. And we're talking about male incontinence. And I've learned something enormous already about uh, a treatment that is effective, a surgical treatment for men who are having um, incontinence that has gotten to a point where it's pretty rough. Yeah. Do you want to know a little extra tidbit about it? Yeah. Guess where it was invented? I don't know. Right here. It was? State of Minnesota. No kidding. Yeah. So the company now is called AMS, which is a division of uh, Boston Scientific. Yeah. Uh, but it was originally invented by Tim, uh, Jerry Tim, uh, a local uh, biophysicist, elect- you know, a biomechanical engineer, yeah. That's super cool. All right. Um, we are. We have time, I think. Do we have time to go to the phones? I think we should, yeah. Let's do that. Dan has been waiting there in Blaine to ask a question. Go ahead, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, first of all, I want to offer my condolences to the doctors for the loss of their colleague. I did see his uh, obit in the paper, and I was kind of startled that he, you know, being you know a doctor, died at the age of 70 from prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, thank you. I appreciate those comments. I really um, do. I was diagnosed with prostate cancer nine years ago hmm. and had the Da Vinci. Great. Great, Dan. Are you doing well? Um, yeah, for, yeah, for the most part. But I do um, uh, experience, I'd say, you know, fairly mild incontinence where, you know, when I go to urinate, it seems like it takes forever to you know, get all the urine out. I mean, and I don't have any problem, you know, urinating, you know. Yeah. If anything, I, I have to go too frequently. But, I mean, when I'm sleeping at night, I you know, generally, you know, go two and a half hours, you know, at night, and then I wake up and have an urge to go, and I get up, and then it's not it's not a problem. So, um, yeah, This is a, Dan, you're highlighting a really important issue there, I think. So it's that it's not... It's not unifactorial. You know, it's not a one-sided issue. There are a lot of things in play with the urinary system. And whenever we take out a prostate, there are issues that can be from the incontinence side. There Again, your bladder sounds like it may be, you know, causing you some trouble too. And, and this is why, you know, I wish I could give you a fix here over the radio, but really it's, it's more um, getting the knowledge out there that there may be a way to make you better. Because it sounds like this has impacted your quality of life, right? But mm-hmm. like I said, I, you know, I can go and then sometimes, I, you know, like say I'm watching television, I, I'll get up and go and I'll come back and sit down and just, you know, a few minutes later, 10, 10 minutes later, I'll have to go. I mean, there's not much there, but it seems like there's almost always, some, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have, 
I, I mean, as far as leakage, it's it's very very mild. You know, maybe a few drops occasionally. Sure. But um, it just seems like, you know, on a number of occasions, there's even after I've gone and figure them emptied out, and it's just a short time later, and there'll, there'll still be you know some urge, and there's not much there, but there's you know still some, and and you know and during sex too, um, you know there can be urine discharge. So, Dan brings up a, all really good questions. We're running up against the clock, Dan. I want to encourage you to listen after the break. We're going to talk a little bit more of some of the issues of urinary frequency and you know sexual dysfunction and the like um, uh, for guys who have had prostate cancer surgery or guys who haven't. So, Dan, thank you for your call. We do have the clock that I'm looking at here, so listen after the break. Um, we're talking to uh, Dr. Travis Pagliara, urologist, um, and we're talking about male incontinence. Do you want to listen to the second half of the show, which is coming up after the break? Yes, indeed, Doctor. We have another half hour of the show to go, so if you did not get uh, your question answered this half hour, there's more time. 651-989-9226. The line is open if you want to use it, or if you prefer, like a lot of folks, send a text, 81807. Right now, 25 degrees. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hill is your host, and I'm thinking... For those that may have joined us a little bit late, you brought a special guest. With I you. did indeed. We have Dr. Travis Pagliara here, who is a uh, he's a urologic surgeon, a urologist, and we're talking about particularly male issues today. We've been concentrating mostly on incontinence in the first half of the show, and we're going to wrap that up and then get a little bit into some other issues. So, first of all, to reintroduce Travis, he is a urologist. Um, he is trained in. Uh, 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 Urologic procedures for men. He did a special fellowship um, at the University of Texas Southwestern, and now he's on the faculty of Hennepin County Medical Center, where I work. And um, so, just thanks for being back on the show. Ah, thank you again. Good, good to have you here, Travis. He's. Um, I hope to have him on lots more times because it's a big topic. Um, and and we were talking to Dan just before the break, um, who had had prostate cancer surgery some years ago and still having some issues of incontinence. So before we move on to other topics, could you just let's just kind of put that together. Why does cuz some listeners might be just joining us. What happens after you have a prostate cancer surgery and why does he have incontinence and what's there to be done about it? Yeah. I mean, first I'll say, you know, I'm really glad Dan's doing well, you know, cancer-free it sounds like 9 years later, which is great news. But now, you know, we want to try to help him out with some of these quality of life issues. He shouldn't have to live with you know, problems going forward every single day just because, you know, he had prostate cancer surgery. So I would encourage him to, to reach out to either his primary care or find a urology specialist who can help him elucidate whether this is a problem really with his bladder or with any scar tissue that could build up or with just a, a loss of the innervation of the sphincter that normally provides that backup and prevents the incontinence. What does a sphincter do in this case? Now, we use that term and people have, you know, kind of they're all going, ew, and, and they're thinking of other things. What do you mean when you're saying the sphincter? Yeah, so the, the most common sphincter that everybody doesn't even think about is actually your mouth. If you look at your lips, those are actually a sphincter. Mm. So, you know, any circle of muscle that pinches off is essentially a sphincter. So down inside of our, around our urinary system, our urinary tract called the urethra, is actually a set of muscles that can pinch off and allows us, as one of the two sphincters we have, that can hold back urine. And so if, if um, sometimes after surgery, that might need... Yeah, with Can you fix them surgically surgery. if it's been... Is that tough to do? It's not because it's really a nerve problem. And so a nerve problem all the way down in the pelvis is uh, it, the nerves are a little bit too small to try to re-innervate or do any sort of fancy procedure like that. It, it really comes down to... Uh, 
providing a new sphincter. So I want to alert listeners who maybe missed the first half of the show. Dr. Pagliara does a urologic procedure. He is a surgeon who has all kinds of really good treatment options. Um, I'm going to put a blog post up on the website, and which is myhealthymatters.org. No spaces, nothing like that. Um, that'll go up sometime in the next um, week. And you might want to check into that because I am going to put links to the websites that he has mentioned about both erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. I'll put links to those sites on the website. So write this down. Make sure that you go on um, onto the blog site this week. It's myhealthymatters.org, and you'll get lots more information. I'll also put some pictures of Dr. Pagliara up there, and, and it'll be an interesting post with a lot of information. And if you are interested in some of the services that he offers in the uh, Hennepin Urology Center, um, that number is easy. It's 612-873-MYMD. 612-873-MY-MD. He'll be one of the hundreds of doctors moving over to the state-of-the-art clinic and specialty center, which opens on March 26, 2018. We're just a few months away. So not only do you get state-of-the-art care by some of the best um, doctors around, it's going to be in the state-of-the-art facility as well. So let's pivot a little bit, and I want to do that um, um, a little bit um, based on some of these text messages. And, and if we could just lightning round a couple of them. Yeah, let's do it. My stress incontinence got much worse after chemotherapy for lymphoma. Is that common? It's not common. It's something unusual that I've only heard of a couple times. Might be related to some nerve damage, uh, but even with that happening, there's still surgical fixes. Yep. So here's one that's not specifically related to what we've been talking about, but it's important enough that maybe you could say something for a minute or so on this one. It's about bladder cancer. In the past month, I've known two men diagnosed with bladder cancer. What are the symptoms? The, the number one symptom is uh, actually caught just on your primary care visit. They should check your urine, and it's microscopic hematuria, which means he, blood in your urine that you can't see, but they can check on a urine sample. But if you, all, if you actually do have gross blood or blood you can see, if your urine's red, it is an immediate reason to talk to your primary care and get a referral to a urologist. Here's one about prevention of incontinence. What can a person do to prevent both prostate problems and incontinence? You know, it's a, it's a good question. We oftentimes will inform our patients who are going to have prostate surgery to try to strengthen their pelvis. And um, to do that, it's almost like if a guy was going to walk up to the urinal and stop his urine stream midstream, that like flex of the muscles down there, to try to learn how to activate those muscles. So straining them and uh, almost like flexing, you know. So get a workout regimen in so that you know how to strengthen those muscles so that after any surgery – you have a better uh, sense of your own, you know, muscle activity. Okay, let's let's uh, pivot once again to a new topic. Let's yeah. talk about erectile dysfunction. Yes. There's a lot of guys out there who have who have who are probably nodding their head, saying, "Yeah, let's talk about this." What's going on with that? What causes it? Is it normal? Is it what all men can expect as they age? Tell us about it. Absolutely. So erectile dysfunction uh, comes in a couple forms. One, it can be a neurologic problem. That's uh, oftentimes seen in patients who have bad uh, diabetes where high glucose levels for a long time can cause nerve dysfunction. They may get tingling in their fingers and in their toes, uh, neuropathy, but it also causes damage to their erectile function. There's also a, what we call vasculogenic, which just means your blood supply. So the arteries get clogged. The same way we get a heart attack from having heart disease mm-hmm. from clogged arteries, it's interesting. The, the penis is actually referred to as the canary in the coal mine of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember the old reference, but when they used to carry a canary down to the mines yep. because a canary yep. requires more oxygen than a human. And if the canary died, it, mean, it meant get out of Dodge, get out of the mine. It was an early sign of problem. Exactly. So if men have, heart, if, if men have erectile dysfunction, 
really before the age of about 55 to 60, it is an indication to us to say we should try to check out and look to see if you have any risk factors for heart disease. Because you might have vascular problems. Exactly. So everybody knows about the um, the the pills. They're advertised endlessly. Um, a, do they work? And B, are they the only option? The pills are definitely not the only option. And I think that's where a lot of people, a lot of men see a lot of just personal you know, um, remorse because they try it, it doesn't work, and they say, oh, I give up. And the problem is it only works in 60% of men. I mean, that's a huge number. People think that, oh, it's going to be 100%. If they're going to spend all that money on commercials, then it must work. But really, it doesn't. And if it doesn't, there are other options. We can go up and Must work line. for somebody. Right, it does. Yeah, it does, yeah. absolutely. But in some men, it doesn't. And in those, yeah. we have other options. We have injection therapies. We have devices that we can use externally uh, with rubber bands and other things. I know that sounds scary. <laughs> and then we can even work our way up to what's called a penile in- implant. And that is either a malleable or bendable type or an inflatable type. Okay, so that, um, in all honesty, it all sounds a little scary. You know, but uh, does it, do those things work? So the, the penile implant, which, again, you can look up on edcure.org, has the highest satisfaction rate of any of the ED treatments. It's over 95%. So we're talking about an implant that goes in that, again, lasts about 10 years, 8 to 10 years on average, and has a satisfaction rate for both the patient and their partner of over 95%. No kidding. So when it goes in, um, just you, you've put these in? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What do they look like when you put them in? So it actually has three components. There's a reservoir that holds the fluid because it's a fluid-filled pneumatic system. Yeah. Um, so that hides up in the belly wall. Then there's a pump that hides down in the scrotum that you squeeze whenever you want to inflate the device. Yeah. And that moves the fluid from the reservoir to the cylinders. And the cylinders are actually placed inside of the penis. So the penis has two natural cylinders in it. That, that are normally with, there's nothing in them. Normally there's a bunch of capillaries or tiny blood vessels right. in them that yeah. fill with blood and get engorged, and that's what an erection is. Yeah, exactly. So when those no longer serve their function or purpose, we put these artificial cylinders in, and they just fill with a normal fluid like saline, and there you are. How long of a procedure is that? Is it a big deal? Uh, in my hands, it takes anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes. So it's a same-day kind of a deal? It can be, or but you... uh, depending on the patient's health status, we sometimes keep them overnight, too. All right. We're going to take a break. We've got a lot more to talk about after the, in our last segment of the show. All right. Very good. 651-989-9226. Text us at 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. We're talking about, among other things, male incontinence and uh, taking your phone calls and uh, text messages. And as you can see, doctor, we have plenty. Tell you what, let's let Francis in Red Wing has been waiting on the phone to ask a question. Go ahead, Francis. Thank you. Hello. I'm a 96, 95-year-old male, and I've been using the catheter for 20 years. And no problem at all. And the doctor said I had a very large bladder and I could hold the whole day if I have to. And I'm real satisfied with the catheter. What's your question, it, Francis? Well, it's not a question. I'm just telling you what, what, I, what, I, what I'm like. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, Francis, first of all, thanks for that call. Uh, so some guys have to catheterize themselves, and his bladder sounds like it's enormous. What's going on with Francis? It sounds like Francis suffers from uh, being 95 years old, outliving his own bladder. I mean, the bladder is a muscle that has to cycle six to eight times a day, and it does happen where you can get what's called an atonic bladder. It just no longer fires. The muscle doesn't want to 
fire anymore. It doesn't want to squeeze. And in that case, the urine's got to come out. And if it doesn't leak out on its own, then the way to do it to prevent kidney damage with pressure buildup is to catheterize. Yeah. So is it is for for men or women too who have to catheterize themselves because their bladder doesn't work for some reason? Is there danger to Francis that he can go all day? That can't be good. Yeah, that's not good, really. And his his doctor probably instructed him to say you should be doing this every four to six hours. We try to recreate a natural cycle because if you build up too much pressure inside the bladder that pressure can get transmitted to your kidneys. The kidneys were never meant to feel that, and that can lead to kidney dysfunction. Leading to that, this text just came in in the last minute. I'm a 52-year-old male in good health, but it seems when I urinate, it doesn't fully empty my bladder, and I need to go a few minutes later. So what's going on with this guy? It's hard to say exactly again, but the most common thing, being 52 years old with incomplete emptying, is usually a problem with obstruction, meaning blockage of the outflow tract. So his prostate might be enlarged, That does not indicate cancer right away, but what it does mean is just maybe you have some extra growth and it's bigger than it should be, and he would benefit from either medical therapy or surgery to try to remove some of that prostate tissue. Here's a man, I am assuming that's, yeah, well, yeah, that says on the text line, I'm 61. In the last two years, I'm experiencing some erectile dysfunction and rarely can avoid getting up at 3 or 4 a.m. to use the bathroom. Is there a common approach for both issues? Yeah, so with the, with the getting up at night to go to the bathroom, we call that nocturia, which just means going to the bathroom at night to urinate. One time is actually not abnormal, especially as you say, that older. doesn't sound so out of the ordinary. If you're getting up once, guys... Yeah. Everybody is. And, and it really, that is true. Uh, but when you get to two and above, then it's abnormal. And it can be anything from your body is producing too much urine at night to you're drinking too much fluid after 3 or 4 p.m., which just is, well, your body's got to get rid of that, and it takes a few hours later. It can be a medical uh, medication problem where your doctor's prescribing you a water pill that you're then taking later in the day when you should be taking it in the morning. So there's a lot of different causes. Um, but with the erectile dysfunction... Uh, Is it related? No, they're completely unrelated. Yeah. With the erectile dysfunction, we like to treat it like a stepwise pattern. You start with pills. You can build yourself up with other medical therapies. You can be offered things that are less invasive like a vacuum device, uh, a constriction band. And then if all these things don't work or at least don't work over six months, then I I honestly do think a penile implant is a great option for most patients. So somebody texted in, does Medicare cover the implants? It does, actually. And most of the or implants, other insurance. most insurances do cover it. Some don't, um, but we have ways at our clinic that we can actually take your insurance card, we can fax it in and find out within about 48 hours exactly what your copay would be. So if you are interested in any of the topics we've talked about, and men, I bet so many of you have um, some issues that uh, Dr. Pagliara could help you out with. His number is 612-873-6963. He practices at our downtown Minneapolis office, 612-873-MYMD. A couple more questions from the text line. Does weight, being overweight, have an impact on erectile dysfunction? It definitely does. Um, I've actually had patients who have lost 50 to 100 pounds, and reported that all of a sudden their erectile function started to work. Um, so really, the the you know extra weight, obesity, this huge problem across America has such an impact on all the other parts of life that you may not get talked about as much. Everybody talks about heart health and diabetes, but really, you know, it, it affects every walk of life. We are running out of time, but I wanted to talk about this question because it's another thing you're an expert in, Re- and it's from the text line. Recently diagnosed with Peyronie's syndrome. Doctor says to wait one year and then perhaps treat with injection. What's the success rate? I'm 58. What's that? Yeah, so for everybody out there, Peyronie's disease is uh, just the fancy name for curvature of the penis. It's scar tissue that builds up. 
Now, part of it, we believe it happens because of some sort of micro trauma. Basically, your erection wasn't as hard as it used to be. And just from having intercourse, maybe it kind of bent a little bit, but that led to some mild bruising or bleeding below the skin. That leads to scar tissue and calcified plaques. So there's an acute phase in the first six months to a year where things can change. But after that, there's treatments. Some of it do involve injections. And other times, it involves a simple day surgery. All right. Um, we're going to run out of time, and we're going to leave it at that. This is one of the fascinating show on topics that are kind of sensitive um, for people. So I hope you've learned something listening. Uh, Travis, uh, Dr. Um, Pagliara is a urologist. Um, at Hennepin. Thanks for being here. This is awesome to be here. I hope everybody just doesn't feel embarrassed and can come out and talk to us and, you know, voice their their opinions and thoughts. Exactly. This is how doctors, like, you know, we have cocktails together. We sit and talk about this kind of stuff. So for me, it's completely normal, but it's not probably for everybody else talking about erectile dysfunction and incontinence and and, and so I'm glad we were able to do this show. I think it's been a great show. If you need to get a hold of Dr. Pagliara, you want to get into his clinic, it's 612-873-MYMD. And please go to myhealthymatters.org. I will put up some more information about this topic, including links, so you can do it in the privacy of your own home. That's a myhealthymatters.org. Excellent show. Thanks, Doctor. Coming in. And we'll be back next week with? We're going to do an open line show. We haven't had an open line show for nearly a month. And so I'll get your general health care questions and see if you can stump me. Get them ready for next, uh, next Sunday. Have a good week.